If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. What we would like to be looking at this morning is the blessed assurance that the Lord gives us. I pray that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we know that we are of the truth? How can we know that we abide in Him? How can we be assured that we are loved beyond a shadow of a doubt by the Lord? You know what? When you know you're loved of the Lord and you're confident of that, I believe perfect love casts out all fear. Therefore, no matter what comes your way, when you know you're loved of the Lord, you have a calmness in your life in whatever situation comes along in your life. To have that assurance of the love of God, it's very like little children need that assurance that they're loved by their parents. If a parent ever disciplines a child, and doesn't do it in love, that child's going to suffer. I believe we ought to discipline our children. I believe our children ought to have boundaries. I believe our culture is teaching our children as well as many grown-ups that haven't got a brain that there are no boundaries. That's why there is a lack of respect. Children, when you discipline them, Make sure you let them know that you love them. They need the assurance of love. Even if they've done wrong, they still need the assurance of love. I do understand there are some that grow up, and some have grown up, under abusive situations with abusive parents. Maybe being felt like they were totally unloved as they were growing up. Might be abusive language. Children that often grow up in that type of environment grow up rebellious. They grow up disrespecting parents and those in authority. They grow distant. I do believe that's the biggest problem in our society right now is the lack of love that should be being displayed. I said just a few Sundays ago, you only have one chance to raise your children. You don't get a second chance at it. Better get it right the first time. The Bible tells us that whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, He chastens, He rebukes. Whom the Lord loves, He corrects. But let me tell you why God corrects you and me. It's because He loves us. There are times we have to correct. And I tell you what, I don't like conflict. I don't like to get in it with anyone who is wrong. But there are times you have to. You have to speak up 
or people will continue the wrong ways. That's what's wrong with our government and our schools. That's what's wrong in our society today. There's a lot of people that just ain't got backbone to speak up the truth. Correct those that are wrong. There's a lot of wrong going on in our world today, and yet Christians are silent. This passage of Scripture we want to look at this morning, I want you to notice that I believe it's written for encouragement to believers. When you think about, does the Lord love me? Remember what John wrote in verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons or the children of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Chapter 4 and verse 7, the word of God says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Down in verse 10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. God is love is what verse 8 tells us. I read those passages of scripture because... God does not want you to doubt his love. And yet, we often do, don't we? Oftentimes we question God's love. Does he really love me? Now let me tell you something. That's exactly what Satan would like for you to do. Question the love of God if you're a child of God. God does not want you to doubt his love. I want you to listen to what the Word of God says. I'm getting to 1 John chapter 3, but in a roundabout way. Over in Zechariah, in the book of Zechariah, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. In chapter 3, there's a scenario where Zechariah says, in verse 1, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. In other words, Satan who is the accuser of the brethren, he's accusing one of God's children. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Who's he talking about? He's talking about Joshua the high priest. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused your iniquity to pass from thee. I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord stood by. I read that passage of scripture because we're a lot like Joshua. 
Our garments are filthy. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But if you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, He has clothed you with the righteousness of Christ. And when God looks upon you, He sees the righteousness of His Son that has been imputed unto the believer. And for us to doubt that is to question the veracity of God's Word. Do not doubt the love of God. When we compare our lives, when we compare ourselves to the holiness of God, we can see where we would have doubts. There's not one of us in here that measure up in and on of our own goodness and our own works to the holiness of God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of His standard. But what happens with the child of God? He senses his sinfulness. His conscience will condemn him at times because of his sinfulness. And the reason that is is because the child of God hates sin. I'm not saying the child of God does not commit sin. The child of God still sins. Let me tell you something. You might think you're doing good. But in the light of God's holiness, you still sin and fall short of the glory of God. And without the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you deserve the wrath of God. So it's in His righteousness that we stand. When we think of our faults, our lack of love that we have toward the Lord, our lack of love that we have toward one another, the worldly love that we often implement for the love of the Lord, we fall way short. It will oftentimes make us question whether the Lord could really love me. You see, a child of God is sensitive to sin. In verse 20, I want to just make a comment before we start with verse 18, 19. Verse 20 is a verse I remember many, many years ago. Brother Larry Robbins told me, he says, I'm kind of wondering if that verse of Scripture is really meant to comfort us or to convict us. The Word of God says, for if our heart condemn us, And that heart, it's talking about your conscience. If your conscience condemns you, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Now there has been debate amongst many Christians down through the centuries what this verse of Scripture means. Does it mean because God knows all things and your heart is condemning you, God's condemning you greater because He knows more? I don't believe that's the context John is writing to combat error, false teachers. And he's writing to comfort believers. Therefore, I believe the approach to this whole passage of Scripture, as we start in verse 19 all the way down to 24, John is writing for the purpose to comfort us. 
Keep it in the context. Remember what we said in verse 1 in chapter 3. Behold what manner of love, what out of the world this kind of love is that the Father has given unto us. If you notice what he says down in verse 13, well, in verse 1 he calls us children. In verse 13 he calls us brethren. Down in verse 18 he calls us children. You see, John is the apostle of love. In verse 21, he calls us beloved, agapetos, the Greek word, deeply loved of God. He is writing for the purpose here. And I believe his word speaks to us today that we might have full assurance Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. When you've experienced the love of God and you walk in the light of His love and you are assured, fully assured of the love of God. Let me tell you, it makes a big difference in the life that you live. You might think, but you don't know the sins I've committed. No, and I don't want to know them. But God knows them. And you know what? God's forgiven them if you're his child. What do we do if our hearts condemn us? I want you to notice in verse 19 and verse 24, there's a bracket of words here. It kind of encapsulates this passage of scripture. In verse 19 he says, and hereby we know that. And let's stop there for a moment. And go down to verse 24. In the middle of that verse he says, and hereby we know that. You see what John is saying here is bracketed right in between there. Hereby we know. What do we know? We know that we're of the truth is what John says. And the latter part he says we know that He abides in us. We know that. Verse 19 says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. There is this assurance that we can have of knowing that we're of the truth. That assurance comes in one, two, three ways. I want you to notice there is doctrinal truth. In other words, God has said certain things. And we need to accept what God says. It's truth. And because we know truth, we have assurance. There is the practical aspect. We rehearse truth or we practice truth. That truth which we know, we put it into practice into our lives. That is that practical aspect. We know what the Word says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We know what the Word says. How do we have faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. 
In other words, our knowledge of the truth allows us reassurance in our hearts. You've got to know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And as your faith grows in the truth and the knowledge of God's Word, your assurance grows in Him and what His Word says. Notice the Word of God says, and hereby we know, in verse 19. That's referring back to verse 18. What do we know? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, hereby we know that we're of the truth. How is that? Because of our deed or our works, they are in truth. In other words, love is being lived out in our lives. Boy, I like this. Because there's not nary one in here that shouldn't be without love if you're a child of God. And you know what? That means you've got to show love toward one another. You've got to show love toward me. I've got to show love toward you. I've got to live out my love. I can't, it's not up to me just to think of ways I can love somebody and then just forget about it. We've got to live it out. It's not just in word, neither in tongue, just saying it. But it's in practice, in actually putting it into practice. Hereby we know that we are of the truth. How? Because we're living it out. If I were to go around this congregation and ask everyone individually, if you can name five failures in your life, where you failed the Lord, where you sinned against God... Everybody in here could think of something just like that. I mean, you could think of it pretty quick, couldn't you? Let me ask you the opposite of that. If you could name me just five ways the love of God has flowed through your life into the lives of others, you know what? You wouldn't think of it as quick, would you? You got to ponder a little longer. Now, why is that? Why does the sins come to mind so much quicker than the love that shows supposed to be showing toward one another? If we've confessed our sins, let me tell you something, we need to move on from it. If you have confessed your sin before Almighty God, your sin's been forgiven. Your relationship's restored. Don't go back to it. Don't let the devil bring it back up. Point him to the cross. Christ died for that sin. We're to live in love. I want you to ponder this morning and think upon the ways that God's love has flowed through you into the lives of others. Now you know what? That's more of a positive thinking than thinking about your sins. It's harder to think that way. Why is that? It's even harder to do. I do believe the number one reason is because we're often too self-centered. We're too focused upon our scenario, our little world, things that are going on, what might be, what might, bop, 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 bop. You know what I'm saying? 
Is that heaven calling? I'm going to digress because that phone call made me digress. Years ago, I was preaching. My phone rang. I said, y'all, wait a minute. I went down and I answered the phone and just stuck it on the podium. They listened to my sermon. <laughs> Your phone rings, just don't just answer it. Don't say nothing. Don't be talking in the middle of service. You know, it's, somebody might hear the word of God. In chapter 3 of 1 John, Are we too self-centered? I think John addresses that down in verse 17. But whoso hath this world's goods and sees his brother has need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwell, how does the love of God dwell in that person? Can God's love dwell in one of his children and they shut off love one toward another? John doubts it. You remember what Jesus said, and they shall know we are Christians. They shall know you are my disciples by the love you have one toward another. If there's one thing I'd like to try to purpose my life for, it would be to live to love others. To invest in other people's lives. Live to love others. You know, well, that's a simple goal. It ought to be a goal for every child of God. You ought to live to love other people. You might say, but they don't love me back. Well, what are you trying to get out of a situation? God ain't telling you to love somebody so they can love you back. God's telling you to love one another that we are to love in deed and in truth. You're to love in spite of like God loved you. You're loving for the wrong reason if you're trying to get something back in return. The Word of God says in verse 20, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and He knows all things. In other words, you've got to trust God's knowledge. What do we do when our hearts condemn us? We trust His knowledge. Did you know God knows you better than you know yourself? He knows the depths of your heart even greater than you do. He knows your motives and your purposes and why you do what you do. That ought to make every one of us repent in a lot of ways. But listen to what we're saying. John's writing to encourage believers in truth. And as he's writing to encourage them to practice out love and to do acts of loving kindness... God knows us better than ourselves. So if our hearts condemn us, trust his knowledge. And what does God say? Let me give you a random verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. If your heart condemns you, what? 
there is therefore now no condemnation. If our hearts condemn us, there is therefore now no condemnation. You hear the knowledge of God, how he's spoken to the condemnation that your heart's condemning you? God knew every sin before I was saved. God knew every sin up until the point when I was saved. And God knows every sin that's in the future. And my faith is in Jesus Christ that he died for my sin. That's it. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. How many of those sins? All those sins. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. I shall live eternally. Praise God, my sins are geoeny gone. And as the old preacher said, he hung up a sign in that sea and said, No fishing. So don't you go there with your fishing pole trying to drag up old sins. He has removed them as far as the east is from the west. You know what? That's endless. He's taken our sins away. But what if our heart does not condemn us? You look at the issue of what happens if our heart condemns us. What if our hearts do not condemn us? What does John say concerning that matter? You find the answer in verses 21 all the way down to verse 24. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. We have assurance. If your heart doesn't condemn you, your conscience is not condemning you, you have a clear conscience before God, you have assurance. Now, you know what? I believe every believer has had their heart, their conscience condemn them at times. I think we all could say affirmative to that. We all have. But you know what? Our hearts are clear. The Word of God tells us we have blessed assurance. And notice what he says in verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Here's what blessed assurance does. When your conscience is clear before God and you have assurance that he loves you, did you get what he said? Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times when I ask and I don't get what I ask for. And I mean, it could be what I think would line up with the will of God for someone's salvation, for someone's pain to go away. There are times we pray and it seems like we're praying in the will of God, but we're not getting an answer. I want you to look back in John chapter 14. Jesus taught this principle more than once. And I want you to notice what he says down in verse 14, chapter 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
same principle John is saying over here in 1 John chapter 3, and whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Here, whatever we pray, it must line up in the name of Jesus. That does not mean he's like a genie in a lamp. You can pray for whatever you want and get your desires. That is saying, if it's in the will of the Lord Jesus Christ, if it's in his will, it lines up with what Christ wants, you're going to get your prayers answered. It's got to be according to his will if we pray in his name. The Word of God says in verse 22, because we keep His commandments. Here's the reason why our prayers are answered, because we keep His commandments and we seek to be pleasing Him and not ourselves. What are the commandments? Notice what He says. It's in the plural form in verse 22. Then down in verse 23 it says... And this is His commandment. It goes to the singular form. That we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And love one another. As He gave us commandment. Now there, it's singular again, but there's two commandments there. There's one commandment with two prongs to it, you might say. These commandments are summed up in verse 23. And what he's saying, you've got to believe on the name that is the character and the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you have to love one another. That's his commandment. Read a quote yesterday by Alistair Begg. Some of y'all may know him up in Ohio. He said, you cannot serve God without serving one another. Well, that's very good. You cannot serve God if you're not serving others. We must be serving other people. The more your will lines up with the will of God, the more your will lines up with the will of our Lord Jesus Christ, the more your prayers will be answered. As your will lines up with His will, that's how you get answered prayers. How do we know His will? you got to get in the Word. It ain't no other way. Don't expect God to write something in the clouds. Don't expect... uh, I remember talking to a lady one time. She said, I drove by a statue Mary and I knew that was God's sign for me. No, it's not. Let me tell you something. If you want to know God's will, it's in God's Word. Don't go outside of the Word of God trying to seek God's will because then it becomes all subjective. Then you can pretty much do what you want to do. That's not what the Word of God is teaching us here. We are to believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are to love one another as He has given us commandment. And then I want you to notice them prayers are answered. And with these prayers that are answered, and with this fellowship we have with Him, what God does, He gives us assurance. When you're walking in fellowship with the Lord, 
He gives you assurance. Notice verse 24. And he that keeps his commandments dwells in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abides in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Now this verse is very different than what John has been previously saying. It talks about us abiding in him. But notice here it talks about him abiding in us. What is John saying here? That Christ abides in us by his spirit that he has given us. His spirit indwells the believer. The word of God says we are sealed by his spirit until the day of promise, till he comes again. We are sealed. Who can break that seal? Not you, not anybody else. We are sealed by his spirit. What are you to be doing? Let me encourage you to look for him working in your life. Look for him working in your life. The Spirit of God, when he works through a person's life, listen to what the Word of God says. Jesus said, He, that is the Spirit, shall glorify me. The Spirit of God glorifies the Son of God. Let me ask you, are you glorifying Jesus Christ? He enables us to believe. The Spirit of God enables us to obey the Lord, to love others. It is the love of God that's been poured out into our hearts and now it overflows into the lives of others. These are what we would call blessed assurances. We can narrow it down, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. But you know what? We have blessed assurances from God's Word. This assurance that we have. Hear what God tells us. It comes by His Spirit. And the power of his word. It comes by having faith in Jesus Christ and loving one another. Do you have that assurance this morning? Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you publicly professed Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you love others or do you just say you love others? There's a big difference there. Oh, you know so-and-so, you know, I, they, they really get on my... I, but I love them. And then you know what they did? But I love them. Come on now. You know how we are. We'll talk immediately about somebody and then we act like we love like Christians. Uh-oh. Can we really know we have the assurance that we are of the truth? I read a story about D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, a famous preacher many years ago, had a man come up to him and he says, Pastor, I really doubt my salvation. D.L. Moody said to him, When Noah built the ark, Noah 
Noah went into the ark. Do you believe that Noah was saved by his feelings or by the ark? Now think with me. Are you saved by your feelings? Or are you saved by faith in Christ? Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. If these evidences are not in your life, and you don't have assurance, and your conscience condemns you, if you profess to know Jesus Christ, you need to confess your sin and turn from it and be walking with Him. If you've never believed on the name of Jesus Christ, that means believing on His person, on His character, and on His finished work. Believing that He died on that cross for my sin. He's risen. He's risen again. And I want to do His will. If you've never trusted in Christ, I pray that you would this morning. We're going to give a hymn of invitation. And I pray that you make that public. That others may know that you know and you have that assurance. We're going to stand and have a word of prayer. So our musicians come forward and Brother Spencer is going to come forward and lead us in a hymn of invitation. And if any of you need to make things right with the Lord, Let me exhort you to do so even now. Let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, the power of your word. And Lord, we know that your grace is greater than any sin we've ever sinned in our life or ever thought of. We know your grace is sufficient. So Lord, we ask that you would work an effectual work in hearts and lives, giving blessed assurance comforting hearts, drawing our hearts toward you. For Christ's sake, amen. We're going to sing grace greater than our sin.